hello everybody and uh live here from the studio in new york it's yeah. media majors Woo! we're here at 30 rockefeller plaza <laughs> yep lord uh, sign my tits and we have a special guest with us today jane Hi, hi, media majors. Yep. She, she's back with a vengeance. So, hi. That's <laughs> just uh, pretending this did, is a studio. <laughs> we said her name before we said our names. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm Liam Senior. And I'm Tom Lockney. I like movies and television. And I like games and the internet. I don't know if redeeming is the right word, but I feel like trying to win you over on women you don't think you like. And we tell each other stories. They're researched. They're true. They're fun. They're sad. They're sometimes not. They mostly are. And uh, for this episode, we thought we'd have a theme since it was just 420. Mm -hmm. uh, all of our stories are going to be drug themed. And Liam, I believe you're going first. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Let's begin. My story is called The Pit and the Pendulum. <laughs> You'll see why. Okay. I'm not just telling the story. Edgar Allan Poe. Is it yeah. about Poe? No. Sean Justin Penn is an American actor, oh, filmmaker, God. and political activist. Wow. Okay. He has won two Academy Awards for his roles in Mystic River and Milk. Um, he has not only acted in films, he's also directed some. Mm -hmm. He's been starring, he's starred in a ton of movies, been working in Hollywood for forever. Yeah. He's a known entity. For example, in Fast Times in Ridgemont High, he played a stoner named Spicoli. Okay. This is probably the only role of his I really like, because Mystic River he plays a real dick. In fact, one of the movies he directed is supposed to be so bad that it dissolved his relationship with then-girlfriend Charlize Theron, because it was about a bunch of white doctors that save Africa by being white. Oh, okay. Isn't she South African, too? Yup. Oh, boy. <laughs> See? <laughs> there it is. Yeah. See, Sean Penn has had some issues in the past, and we're going to go dive into them, and we're going to start with the bleakest one. So, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this never happened, says both Sean Penn and Madonna. The whole beating her with a bat, tying her to a chair, and kidnapping her for two days, none of that happened. Wait, really? Yeah. Madonna that said that? Even Madonna said that. Wow. In fact... In 2015, she said, I'm aware of the allegations that have surfaced over the years, accusing Sean of incidents of physical assault and abuse against me. She testified it, and then testified in an amended complaint. Uh, specifically, I'm aware of the allegations concerning an alleged incident in June 87. These tabloid reporters from England talked about the whole thing. I think what did happen is that uh, they were just having a very loud argument, says both of them. Uh, and then cops showed up, a bunch of people took pictures, and then hmm. took a bunch of things mm -hmm. out of context. While we have certainly had more than one heated argument during our marriage, Sean has never struck me, tied me up, or physically assaulted me, and any report to the contrary is completely outrageous, malicious, reckless, and false. It came out of a tabloid called The People. Uh, oh, yeah. I've seen that in Safeways. Yep. It's, uh, Wait, sorry, The People, not like not People? Not People Magazine, The People. That's amazing. Because it's uh, the largest media conglomerate Gotta get Britain. that SEO. Yeah. Uh, there are virtually zero references to or copies of the article on the internet. Gawker obtained the original copy, and it just said, uh, Madonna found bound and gagged. And the, there's the article, but it's just like, she was said to be frothing at the mouth. And th th this was the final decoration after three years of hell with the secretary in the singer's Malibu mansion. Just like a bunch of fucking, like, very trashy wow, stuff. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So, in an interview published in September 16th, 2015, director and showrunner Lee Daniels of Empire, a show that stars Terrence Howard, someone who has been accused of abuse, and I think 
pretty much. I don't, I'm almost pop. I don't want to say allegedly because I don't know, and the story isn't about Terrence Howard. Liam, you gotta come down on one side or the other, my man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if Lee Daniels <laughs> in this conversation says uh, Terrence hasn't done anything different than Marlon Brando or Sean Penn, and all of a sudden he's some fucking demon. Okay. Well, bad Whoa, examples. What the fuck? Bad examples, right? In response, Penn launched a $10 million defamation suit against Daniels, alleging that he had never been arrested for any of this shit. And then Penn dropped the lawsuit in May after Daniels publicly apologized. Jesus. Which is kind of a douchey way to get someone to apologize, so... How long were he and Madonna married? A couple years. He has had uh, problems with his temper, served 60 days in jail for uh, assaulting a photographer. Hmm. Uh, And punching an extra in the face on the set of his movie Colors. So let's talk about Sean Penn and the Latin community. (laughs) Oh, God. Because it's... Not great. Uh, at the 87th Academy Awards, uh, Sean Penn joked about his friend Alejandro Gonzalez Arritu, who gave this son of a bitch his green card. Both Ooh, guys laughed whoa. at the joke and thought it was funny. They're both dicks. Uh, for example, when Jenna um, Jenna Beaven, the costume designer for Mad Max Fury Road, when she won, she wore that dope-ass jacket. Oh, yeah. You can see that gif of Arritu just like, looking almost offended that this happening. So like, <laughs> fuck that guy. She was so cool. Yeah, she was super cool. Yeah. Um, in March te- uh, 2010, uh, Penn came out as a, having been a friend of dictator Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, I, how? What's the party where those two people meet? Listen, when you hit it off, you hit it off. I guess like... They just clicked. You can't choose who you fall in oh, love Oh yeah, with. my boy Hugo. Yeah. Um... And called for the arrest uh, of those referring to him as a dictator. Uh, Do you want to hear what Penn said about him? Sure. Absolutely, Liam. That's why we're here. Venezuela and its revolution will endure under the proven leadership of Vice President Maduro. I don't know why he's referring to the vice president when he's talking about the other guy. Today, the U.S. lost a friend it never knew it had. Oh, this is because it's when Hugo Chavez died. And poor people around the world lost a champion. I lost a friend I was blessed to have. Uh, this is a guy who Noam Chomsky once said was ruining democracy. <laughs> <laughs> and also started out as friends with Hugo Chavez. Jesus Christ. World politics is just clown shoes. So in 2010, Penn tried to help the dispute between Argentina and the UK over the Falkland Islands. Oh, so he's like... And he's they were like, like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, it's cool you want to help Sean Penn, but we're okay. So he's like Don King to North Korea. <laughs> but he's fucking insane. I just like someone who's like, you know what? <laughs> Me, Dead Man from Dead Man Walking. Don't know if that's accurate. Never saw the movie. I'm gonna be the one to stop this international thing. I can fix global politics. You tell him, Liam. Oh boy. Uh, so Penn met with President of Argentina Cristina Fernandez de uh, Kishner. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong in Buenos Aires, where he made a statement on the long-running dispute between Argentina and the UK over the Falkland Islands, saying, I know I came in a very sensitive moment in terms of diplomacy between Argentina and the UK over the Falkland Islands. You know. Why is he saying this out loud to people with the ability to record things that he says? Oh, God. Man, the confidence on Sean Penn. The balls on Sean Penn. 
And I hope that diplomats can establish true dialogue in order to solve the conflict as world today cannot tolerate ridiculous demonstrations of colonialism. My guy, get off of your high horse. Holy shit. Fucker, you were in an episode of What I Hate About You. He was in two episodes of Friends. Like, his resume oh is Well, so is Bruce Willis. Yeah, so the UK kind of went like, what the fuck, Sean Penn? <laughs> to be fair, though... England still sort of gauges in this kind of form of colonialism, so like, yeah, uh, it's cool when actors get involved in politics. Agreed. So here's yeah. the last part of the story. All right, Joaquin Archivaldo Guzman Loria, born in 1954 on the 4th of April, is a Mexican drug lord who headed the Sonora <laughs> Cartel, a criminal organization named after the Mexican Pacific Coast state of Sinaloa. Uh, and he's Sean Penn's brother. And no, he was known as El Chapo. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. No, 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 no. I was literally going to make an El Chapo joke earlier. Well, there you go. You should have, because I would have been like, correct, Tom. <laughs> why, haven't, why haven't they put Sean Penn on Narcos? As himself. I'm literally about to tell you why that is true. He became Mexico's top drug kingpin. Drug kingpin, not drum kingpin. Uh, In 2003, after the arrest of his rival, Ocelio Cardenas of the Gulf Cartel, and he was considered the most powerful drug trafficker in the world by the U.S. Department of the Treasury. Oh, God. Every year from 2009 to 2011, which is only three years, (laughs) so I don't know why that website decided to write it like that, Forbes magazine ranked Guzman as one of the most powerful people on the planet. Jesus in 41st, Christ. 60th, and 55th, 55th, respectfully. I mean, he dug his fucking way out of prison. Like, Yeah. He had a net worth of roughly $1 billion, um, and he was the biggest drug lord of all time. They say he was more ruthless than his, um, what's the one? Predecessor. Predecessor, uh, Pablo Escobar. Gotcha. Jesus Christ. By the time of his 2014 arrest, Guzman had exported more drugs to the United States more than anyone else. Uh, 450,000 kilograms of cocaine to the U.S. alone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And in 2015... You could bury somebody in that much coke. That's like an entire sorority's worth. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you measure it. And in 2015, he was interviewed by Sean Penn (laughs) for Rolling Stone magazine. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? You know that didn't make cover, though. Oh, God. (laughs) So, the following are excerpts from the actual interview that I read, which, guys, so long. It's September 28th, 2015. My head is swimming, labeling track phones, burners in parentheses, one per contact, one per day, destroy, burn, buy, balancing levels of encryption, mirroring through black phones, anonymous email addresses, unsent messages, accessed in draft form. Period. Being a for drug sentence one, pin? sentence one over. Being a drug kingpin sounds like such a pain in the ass. This is just Sean Penn. <clears throat> sounds like Entourage. It's a clandestine horror show for the single most technologically illiterate man left standing. He's talking about himself in his interview. Oh my God. And fifty-five years old, I've never learned to use a laptop. Do All right, still Sean. Make, do they still make oh. laptops? Okay, Sean. <laughs> Is Sean Penn, like, the annoying old man asking youth to help him with technology? No fucking idea. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Another gorgeous fall day in New York City. The streets are buzz with the lights and sirens of diplomatic movement. Head of state, UN officials, Secret Service details, the NYPD. It's the week of the UN General Assembly. 
Pope Francis blazed a trail and left two torn days before. Sorry, left town two days before. Man. I wish it was the thing I first said. I, did, I do too. Man, the, this lead is getting buried real deep, huh? A server, a ser- this is later on in the article, this is he's met El Chapo and they're talking. Oh my god. A server <laughs> delivers a bottle of tequila. El Chapo pours each of us three fingers. And Toasty looks to Kate. Oh, he took a, a his like colleague as a uh, Latina actress named Kate. Nope, he just refers to her as Kate. All right. <laughs> Fuck cool, it, Sean sure. uh, He looks to Kate and says, I don't usually drink, he says. But I want to drink. Man, Sean Penn, come on, man. <laughs> but I want to drink with you. After a raise of the glass, I take a polite sip. He asks me if many people in the United States know about him. Oh, yeah, I say, and inform him that the night before leaving for Mexico, I had seen that the Fusion Channel was repeating its special edition, Chasing El Chapo. He seems to delight in the absurdity of this, and he and his cohort, cohorts share a chuckle. I look to the sky and wonder how funny would it be if there was a weaponized drone above us. <laughs> we're in a clearing, what in the up, fuck? I don't know. We're in a clearing sitting right up on the open. I down the, tequila, I down the tequila. The drones go away. Oh my god. At the end of each day that passed without receipt of the video, they were, I think they were like video chatting beforehand or something. Yeah. Uh, Kate would reassure me that it was only one more day away, but each night El Chapo contacted her with more delays and apparent doubts. Not about my inquiries, but seemingly about how to make a tape of himself. I asked myself, how the fuck does anyone run a business that way? I go full drum gringo on Kate back <laughs> daily. My phone Sorry. Sean, what the fuck, Sean? I think it's supposed to be Trump, but I still have that app that changes uh, <laughs> Trump to Trump. So after he talks about himself for more than half of the article, he then just asks a bunch of questions like, how close are you with your family? And he's like, I'm very close with them. Hey, El Chapo. What do you like to do? What do you like to do during downtime? Like it just like the most basic what I did over some hey, vacation. Hey, El Chapo, shit. what's your favorite TV show? Basically, I like Friends. Do you like Friends, Hugo? Sean Penn likes Friends. Oh, Kate Del Castillo was her name. So a day after Mexican officials announced that they arrested him. Uh, Rolling Stone revealed that Sean Penn, along with actress Kate Costello, had conducted a secret interview with El Chapo prior to his arrest. Del Castillo was contacted by Guzman's lawyer, fucking as a lawyer, to talk about producing a biographical film for over Guzman and communication increase following Guzman's escape from prison in July 2015. Jesus fucking Christ. It's so absurd. The interview was criticized by some, including the White House, which called the interview maddening. <laughs> <laughs> Mexican authorities. Sorry, was that all the was that the Obama administration? Yeah. yeah. Mexican authorities said they were seeking Very. to question Penn over the interview, which had not been approved by either the American or Mexican government. Oh my God. There was also a rumor that director director Oliver Stone set up the meeting so Penn could secure the rife lights for an El Chapo movie. Jesus. And that Oliver Stone put down six million dollars for this to happen. Wow. This, however, was not true. Sean Penn then spoke out for the first time with the interview, claiming that he had failed. <laughs> The actor expressed regret oh that his exclusive Rolling Stone interview with Guzman had not achieved its true purpose to start a conversation about the war on drugs. Let me be clear. My article has failed, he told Charlie Rose on TV. I have t- a terrible regret. I have a regret that the entire discussion about the article ignores its purpose, which was to contribute to the conversation to the war on drugs. Why in the fuck would you hire Sean Penn to write freelance for you for a, a interview with L. fucking Chapo? I think Sean Penn pitched it. I don't oh, know. I think Sean Penn came to Rolling Stone magazine and was like, Send I'm going to talk to El Chapo and pitched it while secretly him and his colleague were trying to like set up a movie. 
it sounds like. Fuck. Well, that's the, right. the story of Sean Penn and oh. his loose connection to drugs. Wow. Okay, Liam. Great story, man. <laughs> Fuck. Hard one to follow up, Jane. It is. You're, you excited? I am. I, I know, guess mine a was second. a little bigger than I realized because I thought this was pretty like. <laughs> Hi, mini majors. I'm back. Okay. So, my my new mini major story begins with a quote by one of America's most celebrated persons, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi, fuck yes. Were you cheering or were you saying her name? I both. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, why can't it be both? I'm just curious. It's 2017. It's it can be 20 both. fucking 17. Here's the quote. My vape pen and I maintain a mostly private relationship. <laughs> there you go. Jane, thank you so much. So, the year's 2014. On April 17th, and I'm gonna fucking say it, why didn't she wait three more days and do this on 420? <laughs> yeah. She did this three days before 420. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg uh, guest writes an article for thecannabis.com entitled My Vape Pen and I, A Love Story. I'm going to read a little excerpt. My story isn't really about the article, but it sort of explains some things. The vape pen has changed my life. No, I'm not exaggerating. In fact, her name is Sippy. Yes, she's a she. And yes, I named her Sippy because I take tiny little sips, sassy sips even, from her. And with each sip comes relief from pressure, Whoopi. pain, stress, discomfort. Whoopi takes some sassy drags. Sips. Big cottony class. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's it's like no secret that Whoopi Goldberg loves weed. She's been very public about this uh, for years. She has glaucoma and was one of the first celebrities to be very open and gain a medical marijuana uh, license. And uh, as an actress, comedian, author, and television host worth $45 million, like, she has the money to get high a lot. Um, Damn, she got money to burn. It makes sense considering when I googled her, uh, some quotes came up on the side. And the first quote listed was, I used my imagination to make the grass whatever color I wanted it to be. And we know what kind of grass she's talking about here. Okay, so we find ourselves a few years later in March 2016. Whoopi Goldberg announces in an exclusive spread with Vanity Fair. She's pregnant. With Vanity Fair's baby. Holy shit. <gasps> She announces that she's teamed up with businesswoman Maya Elizabeth to launch a full line of cannabis products aimed at reducing oh. menstrual cramps. Hey, guess what? Whoopi Goldberg's a national fucking treasure. Uh, described as the first medical marijuana business aimed at women, the startup, aptly named Whoopi and Maya, offers a variety of edibles, extracts, topical rubs, and a THC-infused bath soak. Uh, in an interview uh, with Vanny Bear, Whoopi claimed that she was sick of period jokes and sick of stoner jokes and explained that she was going to do something about it. She was sick of seeing the women in her life struggle with severe menstrual pain that interferes with their normal lives. So here's where Jane takes a quick interlude on the podcast to talk about periods. Oh, <laughs> let's hey guys, let's we'll dive see. right in. Yeah, this can be a fun teaching moment for our young <laughs> listeners. So yep. for all the six, six through eights. That okay, so. I would have been able to guess this from personal experience, but I confirmed, you know, on the internet where I do research that uh, painful menstruation is the leading cause statistically of lost time from school and work among women in their teens and 20s. I would believe that. Yeah. I, I know kids that like would not skip school when they were sick, but if like they got bad enough cramps, they'd like have to oh, stay yeah. in bed. I, I had to leave school once because I got sick. It's bad. This pain can present itself as headaches, lower back pain, cramps, uh, like contractions. Oh god! Uh, no. This common condition, your boobs hurt. No. Uh, your uterus is contracting. Something I like to call like crotch knife. Um, oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, and this really common condition called dysmenorrhea, which one for women have, which just makes it feel like your body is like throbbing. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
so like there was there was an audience for this like people that need this product yeah. people are just watching <laughs> uh so you know what i mean going back to her very first but uh when Whoopi first came up with the idea for the project she got in touch with a couple industry experts to see if there was already anything on the okay. medical ozzy osbourne <gasps> who else did she meet up with who, who are the industry experts rock d rockefeller gene shallot <laughs> um <laughs> fictional food critic <laughs> no from spongebob Jean- you know who he's named after, though? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, it, uh, it's not important. A really <laughs> stupid thing. Can I tell you the last person she went with? Yeah. The shark from Shark Tank. So she reached out to Xford to see if there was anything like this on the market, and they told her no because it was seen as niche. At this point in the interview, Goldberg... You know, like 50% of the population. Well, pretty niche. At this point in the interview, Goldberg stops to give an exasperated chuckle. Hey, this niche is half the population on Earth, she says. This seems to be people flippantly blowing you off, which is what you get whenever you start talking about cramps. They weren't thinking, how do I target this? I have grown granddaughters who have severe cramps, so I said, this is what I want to work on. She wants I also to- want to get my grown granddaughters fucking baked. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. They offer a variety of products... Half of them are low enough that they will not get you high, and half of them will get you high. Hey, it's too. me, your aunt Whoopi. Do this dab with me right <laughs> fucking now. Uh, in her, uh, in the, I read the whole my vape pen and I a love story, and she says that her granddaughter introduced her to this because she couldn't smoke joints anymore. So her granddaughter was like, "Grandma, try this," and then no, but gave her like a big volcano vape. Oh and my she god! And then when the granddaughter left, Whoopi didn't know how to use it, and so she got the vape pen because it was like easier to understand. Yo, Whoopi, I'll take that volcano for you. Um, it sounded like one. It was like an installation. But, (laughs) so, Whoopi wanted to create products that would allow women relief from getting them, uh, so high they couldn't work. She explains that, like, not every woman can just, like, get stoned because they have, like, jobs and families and, like, full lives to continue living. Yeah. Gotta go to work as a crane operator, but I better get high first. (laughs) Get stoned with my operate heavy machinery. Uh, she says, this, you can put it in your purse. And also, I want to say... Whoopi Goldberg knows how to pitch, because this little thing sounds like the best day. Uh, she says, this you can put in your purse. You can put the rub on your lower stomach and lower back at work, and then when you get home, you can get in the tub for a soak or make tea. It allows you to continue work while feeling nice throughout the day. Aw, sounds like a I nice... I want to take a little weed tea. Sounds like a good product. Yeah. So she reached out to Maya Elizabeth, the award-winning owner of, uh, uh, I think, an ed- yeah, an edibles company in California. Uh, who was, like, one of the top people in the industry. And, like, I felt like I didn't need to do a section on this because everyone knows, but, like, weed is a huge industry. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's, like, obviously growing. You make I mean, money. they're, like, weed YouTubers now. Yeah. Well, this leads into my next section. Uh, another interest of the two women in doing this is breaking what some are calling the grass ceiling. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is uh, that in the semi-legal cannabis industry, there's been, like, very limited participation of minorities and women in leadership roles. Uh, Whoopi serves as chairwoman of this company while Elizabeth is the CEO. Uh, uh, Their products launched in California in 2016 and been very successful in areas where it's legal to purchase their products. One testimonial on the site reads... I have MS and my daughter brought me your bath soak for my pain. I work 58 hours a week and I'm in so much pain I can barely move. Oh my god. I use your soak three times a week. I make it a ritual and within 10 minutes I'm 100% pain free. Oh, that's awesome. wonderful. Awesome. <laughs> and she was like, I don't actually use it for menstrual pain. I use it for MS, but it's fun. Like, it's that's good. That's awesome. Uh, they have like a really nice website too. This is dumb, but I was really impressed by their website design. That's not dumb. Uh, their products are made with natural ingredients, and one of their offerings, um, which are, do you guys know what, like, tinctures are? Yep. Uh, the, like, extracts. 
are based on the ones Queen Victoria used to use for menstrual pain. Queen Victoria was one of the first internationally known medical marijuana patients. She used wow. to have such severe mental cramps. No uh, fucking way. Menstrual cramps that they would, like, inject her with weed. Wow. Or cannabis. Uh, and Whoopi was like, Queen Victoria did it. We can, too. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's how I that's, That is the fucking ultimate pitch. Whoopi Goldberg could, uh, talk me into giving her all of my money right now. Right? She's, she is convincing. Okay, so, uh... Now it's a year later, they still sell the products, uh, weed's getting legalized in more and more states, and they're doing, like, more interviews and trying to be more open about it, and I want to just end with another nice quote by Whoopi as I began. I want to go nice and slow with this. I don't want this to be a joke to people. It's not a joke to women. That's great. Good for us. Fucking fantastic story. And now we all like Whoopi Goldberg. I'm just trying to make everyone love women. Alright, that's Tom. our final story this evening. Tell me a story. <sighs> Prelude to the Good Kush. <laughs> Richard Nixon and the War on Drugs. They are not happy with what I've done here today. In 1968, Richard Nixon is elected president of the United States. Richard Milhouse Nixon. And in 1969, nice, formally we declares a war on drugs. Though the term was not popularized until a 1971 press conference with Nixon. Uh, just so we can all be on the same page. The war on drugs is hella racist. racist. In 1994, former Nixon aide and Watergate co-conspirator John Ehrlichman provided the following quote that would appear God, in a Ehrlichman. 2016 Harper's Magazine piece. Quote, you want to know what this was really all about? Referring, of course, to the war on drugs. Continued quote. The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies. The anti-war left and black people. Hippies and black people. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin yep. and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. That's like one of the most fucking chilling quotes of all time. Uh, people of color, of course, have been shouting this from the rooftops for decades now, but did we listen? No. Um, the war on drugs has a legacy that lasts to this very day. It is estimated that the U.S. spends around $51 billion a, year a year fighting a war that is not that has proven not only disastrous, but also counterproductive. Chapter like 2. Video game based on the war on drugs? Bad trip. The rise and the fall movie? of arcades, ah. video games, <gasps> Nixon, and the war on drugs. So around the time Nixon is elected uh, president in the early 70s, video game arcades make their first appearance, with the very first commercial arcade game, Computer Space, being, raised, uh, being released in 1971. In 1972, Atari Incorporated releases Pong, the first commercially successful video game. It is also the very first sports arcade game. In 1974, Nixon resigns from the presidency, but arcades continued to gain popularity. Conspiracy? Arcades were deep throat. Everyone knew it. Then, Jimmy Carter becomes president and attempts to roll back several of the war on drugs' stringent policies. It goes super well. In 1978, towards the end of his term, Space Invaders is released, and so begins the golden age of arcades. Ah, oh, yes. Mm. Space Invaders is so good. And then Jimmy Carter bombs, 
re-election. As Ronald Reagan wins the 1980 presidential election, arcades are at the height of their popularity. During his presidency, Reagan, as well as his wife Nancy, regurgitate much of the same Nixonian rhetoric and buckle down on policies that Carter had tried to step back from. Then, some fucking, like, really important shit goes down. There's the North American video game crash of 1983. No! That's gonna be a separate episode, but the short and skinny of it is basically people thought, like, oh, video games are just, like, done now. That was a fun little fad, but I guess, like, we're just not making them anymore. Yikes. Um... Like, Boy. all those copies of E.T. got buried in the desert. And, like, I'll always remember this quote. Andy McNamara, who's, like, the, the head of Game Informer, he's, like, the head, chief editor, was talking about that era, saying, well, before this, I thought this was going to be my job. And then the video game crash happened. And so I was like, okay, I guess, like, I'm not going to work in video games anymore. I guess I'm just going to, like, get a career somewhere else. Like, the dude who is now editor-in-chief of Game Informer thought that video games were fucking dead. Jeez. That's how severe the crash was. Uh, followed by the revitalization of the games industry in 1985. The crash only lasts for two years. Because it was Because of a little, a little Japanese company called... Nintendo. Yes! Nailed it in one. Because they released the NES. Home consoles gained popularity, drawing crowds away from the arcades and ending the golden age. Chapter 3. Adrenaline Shot. The FBI and the American Amusement Machine Association. So, as the magnetic poles of the game industry are switching every which way, Ronald Reagan appoints William Sessions as the director of the FBI. The FBI acts an extension of Reagan's anti-drug stance and starts brainstorming ideas to get the message out there. Now, Sessions was a milquetoast FBI man in every way except one. He was willing to break the mold and reach out to the youth through non-traditional advertising. So oh, I'm really liking where this is going. Bill tasks one of his subordinates... <gasps> Wait a minute! Bob Davenport to design a PSA initiative aimed at kids. They initially started with pamphlets and conversation sessions, but this was time-consuming and clunky. It lacked a voice, a brand. Then one day, Davenport decided to catch up with his old buddy former FBI agent, and then executive director of the American Amusement Machine Association. Uh, guys, I've got these two hook, line, and sinker well, right now. I think now. I know where this is going. Davenport tells him about the thrust of their anti-drug initiative, and Faye goes, hey, I think I can help you out. I've got thousands of video games that we could put that message on. And then everything sort of fell into place. Davenport made his pitch with Faye, Meetings were scheduled, discussions were had, and then came time to design the slogan itself. Of the slogan talks, Faye said, quote, We wanted to get it to something that was short, something that you could say winners not only applied to game playing, but also if you wanted to be a winner in life, you can't use drugs. Not a very articulate man. <laughs> and it is here in the late 80s that the winners don't use drugs campaign is born. Oh, man. From 1989 to the year 2000, every single arcade game featured this slogan on the game's attract screen. So that's like the, the like demo mm -hmm. thing that plays. Mm -hmm. We'll play at the start of every game before any child gets to punch, kick, shoot, and do murder stuff from a video game. Yep. It appeared underneath a digitized seal of the FBI, and the <laughs> quote is attributed <laughs> to FBI Director William Sessions, who did not come up with it. 
Oh, fucking, here's a fun fact. William Sessions was dismissed from the FBI because he uh, allegedly stole a bunch of taxpayer money for, like, jets and limos and shit like that. And Bill Clinton was like, you can resign or I'll dismiss you in disgrace. Because imagine if every video game you bought now had, like, a quote little photo and seal of the FBI fucking director. investigation. <laughs> Crazy, right? And you'd be like, I just wanted to play Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> the slogan has become a cultural icon with copycat campaigns coming from even within the Bureau. That one being recycle it, don't trash it. Not as good as winners don't use drugs. <laughs> you know, lightning only struck once here. Ooh. It has been parodied in various video games and TV shows, including The Simpsons and Futurama. So how did winners don't use drugs become uh, such a cultural icon if arcades were dying? Oh, we're at the epilogue now? Hangover. <laughs> Fortunately for the Bureau... Capcom released Street Fighter 2 in 1991, popularizing competitive fighting games and stimulating the flailing arcade market. We see the release of games like Mortal Kombat, Virtua Fighter, Killer Instinct, and King of Fighters. And additionally, violent arcade games were getting popular with running guns being one of the top genres. Contra. So arcades get this renaissance, basically, right as the uh, FBI says, put this on all your video games. And without uh, that renaissance, I don't know if Winners Don't Use Drugs would be as ubiquitous as it is today. The slogan was intrusive, but not that effective. It didn't stop people from using drugs, and it, uh, but it did reinforce negative cultural attitudes towards those who did. As with all things Nothing Lasts Forever, uh, arcades are now a hyper-niche novelty, and Winners Don't Use Drugs is a thing of the past. The war on drugs continues, kept on life support by a wealthy but incompetent government. And that is my story. Imagine if it had worked. Imagine if there had been like three years where drugs just stopped. If everyone just didn't do them and was like, yeah, well, winners don't. I just think it's so amazing how these two have like American politics and video game history and culture. were doing this like dance and mm -hmm. just happened to line up at the right time. And we got winners don't use fucking drugs out of it. It reminds me of in the Bush administration when they did the... Uh... <laughs> I hear he paints now. The, no, the first, uh, Poppy Bush. Paints uh, his victims. No, the first Bush. The one who's like, <laughs> the one who is very near death. Oh, he wouldn't go to the inauguration, but he went to the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm talking about, but yeah, that Bush. They tried to, their anti-drug campaign was using cartoons in the CBS All-Star uh, cartoon show where Bugs, the Muppet Babies, Alf, Winnie the Pooh, all these cartoons were like, this kid smokes pot, and look how bad his life's going. And at one point, Bugs Bunny is like, a joint? This shouldn't be here. And oh it's just God. so horrifying hearing if you showed Alan that, and the Chipmunks talking about pot. If you showed that to me at, like, certain moments of certain days, it would make me cry. All right, so I think it's time for our last segment, everybody's Ooh. favorite, Self-Care Corner. Because sometimes we talk about rough stuff on this show. Like El Chapo. <laughs> like El fucking Chapo. And, or periods. And sometimes... Uh, we like to balance that out at the end of something good that happened to us in our weeks and brightened our day. Um, oh, I saved a bird. I saved a bird's <gasps> life the other day. Okay, well, you just won. <laughs> That's obviously the best one. That's amazing. Yeah, fucking follow that, guys. Um, yeah, there. I work at a. Uh, I work at a food market. I'm a cheese monger. That's what they tell me to call myself. The food library. And I work at outdoor markets, and we are loading stuff 
at the end of the day from the U-Haul van into the uh, store in the building. And I look up because I hear something. I hear like a flutter. And there's a bird stuck in, in this like under an awning in this uh, wall detritus. It was like cotton, but really, really it might have been insulation. <gasps> and so it was really tough stuff. And the bird was like trapped like a spider's net or something like that. And we have this long pole that we hang our sign on. And so I took it. I hammered a nail through one end and I yanked and pulled at the cotton until it tore and the bird got free. And the bird freaked out, but the bird is alive. And that was the best thing that happened to me last week. Wonderful. Tom, that's amazing. Thank I you. I loved that. Jane? Okay. This is much worse than that. <laughs> um, it's just something I can think of. I'm an intern at and this week I wrote a joke and they tweeted it. And I was like, oh, cool. I contribute to this company that I have almost no work to do. That's a big part of it is I've been feeling super useless there because I have nothing to do. And this was finally I, like, did something. And I was like, all right. Hell yeah. There's a reason you're paying me. Like, well done. Ugh. Oh, this is going to get back to <laughs> I'll get fired. <laughs> we, can, we can beep out the company if you want. Yeah. Sure. Oh, it'll be so fun. It'll be like a little listener mystery. Where's chain work? The CIA. Oh. My self-care corner is that my friend Tom is here. Aw, come here, you. Damn it, I should have stole that one. On air hug. Um, we have, a, finally have a new section we get to do. <laughs> we do a little shout-out section for shout the people that follow Shout-out, shout-out, shout-out. This is the shout-out section. If you follow our Twitter account or write us a review on iTunes. At Media Majors Cast on Twitter. And Media Majors on iTunes, just And... It. Media Majors podcast on, on Facebook. Facebook. We just launched a Facebook page, mm. and it went pretty well. Yeah, we'd like some people to, uh, you know, I, I want I want to get a hundred likes. That's our for the first uh, like month. That's or our so. Kickstarter milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we got two new followers on the Media Majors account. One is Evan. Hi, Evan. Maybe you're listening. I know you, and you know me. Thanks for following the Media Majors Twitter account. Uh, Evan, if we ever meet, I'll give you a gentle but firm hug. Um, and the other is uh, Kale McDonald. Mm -hmm. I checked out your website, dude. And it was actually, I, I actually like really liked it. It was very short, little news bursts, and uh, got a good line on some cool indie shit. You nice. know, like even stuff that I don't know about. Sweet. So thanks for um, following the podcast. Yeah. Oh, that uh, that website is uh, tomorrowed.com, by the way. Yeah. Great. Ooh. Um. So that brings us to the end of this dog and pony show. Yeah. Aw, I'm sad. I liked the pony. <laughs> he was very pretty. I liked the dog. Will we ever get conflict? Along? <laughs> um. So yeah, like us on Facebook. Please write us a review on iTunes. Check out our website at mediamagerscast.com. Uh, I have to go put, do stuff on the computer, so take it away, Tom. Uh, we hope that you all have a good week and enjoyed this fun little episode. Jane, thank you so much for being on Media Majors this week. Thank you for having me. Loved I, your story. I love being on Media Majors. Um, I have some stuff to promote. You guys can find me on Tinder at mom. No. Uh, <laughs> you can find me... On Facebook, under the National Park Service, no. but not the, uh, like, cool, uh, revolutionary, revolutionary one. Yeah. The, one the, the, like, few Park Service people that like Trump. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the anarchist group that's also, like, protected trees. Yeah. That was um, a great story. Whoopi Goldberg's a boss hog. <laughs> From Dukes of Hazards? Yep. I didn't know that was a person's name. I think that she's just a hog boss. That's a horrible thing to say about a person. Yeah, Tom, we have to talk about how you compliment people, specifically women. We'll, we'll be there for you. 